The following podcast is a part of the Spin Studio Network. You're tuning in to Flawed and Fabulous. I'm Ash and I like to think we're all flawed, but we're also fucking fabulous. This week's episode is part two of Ask the Doctor, a conversation with women's health expert, Dr. Jasmine Davis. If you haven't already yet listened to part one, I highly recommend starting there, season four, episode nine, and then coming back to join us for this episode. Before we get stuck into part two, I have something very fun to announce. My friends over at Aesthetics RX have come on board for the mid-year flawed and fabulous Giftmas in July. Aesthetics RX is an Australian-made cosmeceutical skincare range of advanced handcrafted formulations using revolutionary anti-aging ingredients based on their plant cell culture. Their complex blends are high-dose actives, are all vegan, cruelty and paraben-free. For the past few weeks, I have been trialing their range and it's time for me now to gift a pack to one lucky, flawed and fabulous community member valued at around $300. Inside the pack, you will receive a skin chamois. For all those that don't know what that is, it's like this silky quick dry face washer. I'm obsessed with this and it's great for travel because it's lightweight and packs down easily. The Revitalizing Foaming Cleanser. This wash is very luxe, nice and thick and foams up well to leave the skin feeling super clean. Ooh, the Ultimate Serum. It's great for those that love a little zing on their faces. I started using it every second day and worked my way up to daily as my skin can be a little bit sensitive at times. I'm also super self-conscious about the size of my pores and of course, wrinkles. So this serum works to reduce both and creates a smoother, brighter complexion. Yay! Daily Hydrating Moisturizer. Now this moisturizer does what it says and keeps your skin super hydrated. It doesn't have SPF in it, which for me is super important decision when picking my skincare. So I actually pop this on at night and sleep in it. I really love the cylinder shaped packaging. It looks nice on display and has very easy to use pumps too. So you don't over pump the product and use more than you need to. Aesthetics RX are committed to developing skincare that creates positive change and noticeable results and they are available to shop at aestheticsrx.com.au, adorebeauty.com.au and Silk Laser Clinics. Now, how to win this fabulous skincare pack? Jump on over to Instagram, flawed and fabulous underscore podcast, give us a follow, find the Giftmas in July post and tag your bestie. Good luck. Now let's get started with today's episode and welcome Dr. Jasmine Davis back to the flawed and fabulous podcast. Just a question, does having your period do good things for your body? Well, that depends. If you aren't taking any hormonal contraception, it's really important to have a period. If you don't get a period um, and you're more than a few weeks late, it's a good idea to see a doctor because the f- number one thing we want to know is, are you pregnant? Um, that's the one of the first important questions to ask. Um, if you can't be pregnant or we do a pregnancy test that's negative, then we've got to think of, well, why is it that you're not getting your period? Um, sometimes it's an issue with exercising too much and not eating enough. Um, so sometimes we see it in people who are like elite athletes or who are training quite a bit. Um, we see it in people with a, a low body weight sometimes. Um, 
you know, because there's not enough energy being put in and then the um, cycles just shut down. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes we see it with a condition called polycystic ovarian syndrome. So what happens there is um, an egg's not released in each cycle, so the periods get irregular. Um, and sometimes people can go months without having a period. Um, and in the case of polycystic ovarian syndrome, it's really important um, for us to know about that and to trigger people to have a period um, so that that lining of the endometrium or the lining of the uterus doesn't build up and become too thick. Yeah. And, yeah, so it's so much it, – I know that there will be a lot of people that are like, duh, but like <laughs> – not everyone is, but one of the and as I said, this isn't to um, have a debate with the previous episode. That um, when your body, so because I'm trying to get my head around, I've heard one part and now I've got the other part mm-hmm. of when you're taking the hormonal pill. Mm-hmm. Is that giving your body the same quality? of hormones as your body naturally producing it? Mm-hmm. So, look, the hormones that you get from the pill are synthetic. So, you know, they're obviously yeah. made in a factory. Um, but it's mm-hmm. not exactly the same as what your body makes. Um, and it's in a consistent, a constant level across the month, whereas in your mm-hmm. normal cycle it would usually fluctuate depending on which cycle that you're in. Um, the I suppose we've got to think about the hormones and they obviously do some good things in our body um, and they can also be problematic. Um, So hormones are so important for your bone health, so to prevent things like osteoporosis. So having hormones on board is really important and it doesn't matter there whether that's your natural cycle or whether that's the pill. Um, For women that go through early menopause, we put them on the pill to make sure their bones stay nice and strong. Um, So... You know, that, that's a really important thing. Um, when we think about, I suppose, risks that come along with hormone treatment, um, the big risk really with, with the contraceptive pill, the combined pill that has estrogen, is clots. So we're thinking clots in the leg, which is called a DVT or a deep vein thrombosis. Um, and those clots can sometimes travel to the lung. Um, where it's called a pulmonary embolus. And that that's quite serious. That can be life-threatening. So it's not um, something that we want to happen. Um, and we know that the contraceptive pill does increase that risk. So anyone who's had a clot like that before, um, we usually don't recommend the pill as a form of contraception. Um, in saying that, um, the biggest thing that increases your risk of having a clot is being pregnant. So while you're pregnant, your risk goes through the roof uh, versus when you're on the pill, it goes up a little bit. So, you know, if we're weighing up unplanned pregnancy versus the pill, you know, you've got to put it into context there. Um, There's always the question of breast cancer. um, And while you're on the pill, the risk of breast cancer is increased slightly. Um, However, that effect does go away once you stop taking the pill. Um, and while you're on the pill, you are protected against other forms of cancer like endometrial cancer, so uterus cancer, um, mm-hmm. ovarian cancer, and colorectal cancer. So What's colorectal? Again, like a bowel, bowel cancer. Bowel, okay, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. So again, we're weighing up, you know, thinking about, you know, your family history, thinking about, um, you know, are you someone that's had breast cancer before? Well, we wouldn't be recommending the combined contraceptive pill. Um, so again, we're looking at each person as an individual, yeah. weighing up weighing their up. risks, mm-hmm. what's important to them um, and what's going to work well for them. For some and women, taking any... a pill every day is a problem. Mm. So that, and are that... there any long-term side effects from taking the pill? Let's say you got your period when you were 14 and mum mm-hmm. thought it was a good idea to take you to the doctor and mm-hmm. you were having heavy bleeds or your skin was out of whack and you've jumped on the pill when you are 14 and now you're maybe in your mid-30s, you mm-hmm. still don't have a partner, um, you might be having sex with <laughs> with different people um, mm-hmm. and using the p- pull-out method and you, but you're thinking, wow, I've been taking this pill for 20 years consistently with any breaks, is there any medical research that that taking the pill for that amount of time has any risks? Yeah, so look, when we look at fertility, there's no impact on fertility from being on the pill for a long time. Um, What can sometimes happen is we basically mask the symptoms. So if you went on the, um, the pill when you were a teenager for irregular periods, the pill's gonna regulate them. But then you go off it because you want to have a baby and then that irregular cycle comes back. So often we just don't really know what's going on underneath. Um, in terms of long-term risk, no, there's been no long-term risk shown with taking the, the pill. Um, mm-hmm. We do like women to stop at the age of 50. Um, mm-hmm. We also like women who smoke to stop at the age of 35 because that's where risks and consequences the the risks go up and then we start to talk Mm -hmm. about alternative forms of contraception um and when we're talking alternatives basically all of them a majority of them are progesterone based so um you know the progesterone can just be delivered in different forms so either the depot which is the needle um once every three months the implanon which is the rod some people call it, um, that gets put in every three years into your arm, or the Mirena or the new Kylena, um, which are the hormonal IUDs um, that are inserted inside the uterus, intrauterine devices. Umbrella. Yes, exactly. <laughs> A little umbrella that releases hormones. <laughs> How perfect. It's raining hormones, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And touching back on um, that, um, I don't know what the exact wording you said was, but you are um, you are able to help families that are seeking termination as an yep. option of their pregnancies. And mm-hmm. I did um, share my story um, that I have had both a medical termination and a procedural one. I'm not sure if I'm using the Sur- word. Surgical, we usually call surgical. it. Yep. Yeah, surgical. Yep. I, was, I was close. Um, and um, h- how long has the medical termination been around for? Because it wasn't, yep. as far as I knew, an option when I had my first termination mm-hmm. um, and after that one, taking a tablet sounded easy. Appealing, <laughs> that sounded yes. Like comfy. Yeah. Like... Yes, and I and I heard your story, and um, I unfortunately you didn't have the greatest experience um, with the medical option. Um, 
I don't know the exact year it was introduced really, but I think in recent years it's become more widely available because Mm -hmm. um, as GPs we've been allowed to become prescribers. Um, You Mm -hmm. have to do special training to become a prescriber of medical termination. Um, You obviously have to be able to counsel women in a really non-judgmental way and I just see it as Mm -hmm. another form of healthcare really. Um, Mm -hmm. and to be able to facilitate someone to go through something that can be a bit challenging or difficult in their lives um, is honestly one of the best parts of the job, really. Um, We need to really be able to provide the information that women need. Um, And in the area that I live in, um, unfortunately, we don't really have access to surgical terminations easily Um, people need to travel Um, so often in my area a medical termination is a lot more appealing because you don't have to travel and you know get a hotel all those things Um, whereas if you're in a city like or if you're in Gold Coast Brisbane um, it's a lot easier to access because you do have local clinics that can provide either option Um, now even if you're far away from a major town you can get the medical option in the mail so we're really trying to make it available to be accessed from women all across Australia Um, of course if you're away from a doctor it it comes with its own challenges for safety you know if you if you bleed excessively and things like that Um, but you know I think a lot of women do appreciate the idea of being able to do it in their own homes without Mm -hmm. going under anesthetic um, yeah. But I think having a realistic expectation of what to expect and after hearing your experience, I sort of um, have changed the way I'm counselling people a bit in terms of, you know, make sure your support person stays with you at home. <laughs> but And you did reach out to me after that being the beautiful, caring friend slash doctor that you are to say, is there anything as being a GP focusing on women's health and supporting choice, is there something else I should be saying or doing as someone that's experienced it and on a friendship level to be able to say, oh, yeah, you fucking need to say it like this. But, you know, the fact that you are always trying to evolve and keep your patient's best interests at heart when you are giving, you know, you've got the, the... medical background and knowledge but then it comes Mm -hmm. and you know you you would I know you that you would already do it anyway give that emotional support to a degree as well Mm -hmm. but I think when um for me who has hyperemesis and was sitting there so unwell that you know Eden and I had even reflected back on that in the episode and he was like, it did sound bad. I'm like, it did not sound bad when we were sitting there. And he's like, it definitely sounded bad. And I was like, maybe I was just not in the right headspace and I wasn't paying attention to what was actually being said that I just wanted to be well, like once we'd Mm. made the decision um, to have the termination that I was just committed to the process and I wasn't absorbing all the information. So I guess Mm -hmm. even having Eden in that appointment, Yes, he probably should have stayed at home with me <laughs> that day. But um, it, it sounded like a Lone Ranger type of thing at the time and I'm guessing yeah. it, it really isn't. No, no, not ideal. I do, I do tell people to please have their support person with them because, you know, of course, like any medical procedure, things can go wrong. Um, majority of the time they don't. Um, mm. Majority of the time, you know, people get bleeding, they get cramping and then, 
within a day or so they feel like they're, they're pretty much back to normal. But um, for some people it, it can be a bit more than that. And, in, and, you, and, you know, like in hindsight, like comparing the two, I don't feel like there is a, a, a better choice. I really do mm-hmm. think it's an individual choice and I can see how going to a clinic can be confronting and being at yeah. home is that nice safe space. And um, I think it was just like when it actually that the anxiety of mm-hmm. knowing that you are physically like swallowing something and putting it into your and this just might be me and then mm-hmm. thinking, and then I'm just going to start bleeding in like an hour I'm like modern mm-hmm. medicine is just like blowing my mind right now <laughs> like yeah that is like yep. you know the the surgical made sense like they have to you know go in there and do it but the mm-hmm. fact that like these little tiny tablets are going to result in this just really still baffles me but mm-hmm. yeah hearing that remote locations like I never even really thought about that like how many unwanted pregnancies would probably be seen through because Mm -hmm. they don't have access to clinics or um money yeah money and it still wasn't cheap I think it was like expensive you know, it's, it has a cost attached to mm-hmm. it, but it definitely doesn't cost as much as the kid. What do they reckon no, up to these days? Like a million dollars per child. Um, yeah. But it is all about choice. It is about education. It is about yeah. feeling safe and obviously having a GP that um, supports you in that mm-hmm. decision-making process with the facts and the options would be yeah. probably key. And um, the man, I went and saw a man and he was great. Like mm-hmm. it didn't yeah. throw it didn't throw me at all that it was a male. Yeah. I don't really think like that. Um, yeah. And it was probably good for Eden too. He felt comfortable to ask his questions. But mm-hmm. yeah, it, and he did his job. Like there yeah. was, I was not saying that he didn't. I think I just was in yeah. pregnancy la la land and just you know your expectations to, just just were a bit different to um, yeah. what actually happened. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, if uh, reread the manual or whatever it's called, um, and it it does outline all the things <laughs> that happened. I think I was just like, you know, thinking this is this is fine. I'm at home. Like, what can happen? Mm-hmm. And it was very short lived too. It wasn't like it was you know ten hours of like mm-hmm. unbearable craziness. It was just those two intense hours, which again the book said so. <laughs> <laughs> But um, there are lots of being in your line of work and seeing the physical, emotional and psychological damage on poor contraception choices, mm-hmm. What before we move into our next topic, um, which looking at the clock, it's going to be a two-parter, guys, so <laughs> hang on to your hats. <laughs> but... What would be your closing message in regards to contraception and making choices? Uh, well, look, I mean, we like to plan pregnancies. So if you don't want to be pregnant, it's a good idea to use some form of contraception. Condoms do work, but they have to be on. Um, they're not 100% and nothing's 100%. Even um, vasectomy is not 100%. So watch out. Um, (laughs) but you know depending on your stage of life um, depending on 
your periods, depending on what's important for you, will depend on what you choose to use for your method of contraception. Um, so I'd certainly recommend do your research, talk to your doctor, um, and get an idea of what your options are. Um, and often Sorry. it's a bit of, yeah. I did have something that I wanted to yeah. say. And I guess, <laughs> no. it, I, I guess it comes back to that depending if you have not just the one partner, that yeah. – the pill and the rod and the umbrella and all the other things mm-hmm. that we mentioned, they're not preventing you against other things other than unwanted pregnancies or do they? No, they do not. So when we're talking contraception, we are talking about avoiding pregnancy. Um, the only form of contraception that prevents against sexually transmitted infections, is that what you're alluding to, um, yes. is condoms. So, um, and they don't actually prevent against every form of sexually transmitted infection. Um, so, but they're a really good idea if you're having casual partners. Um, and if you're ever having casual partners, it's a good idea to get regular checks as well. Um, so your local GP can do a check. Um, your local sexual health clinic can do a check. Um, and getting tested is so important because most things, um, can be treated um, or at least the symptoms can be reduced. So don't be scared to get a test. Mm-hmm. Great advice. <laughs> but, yes, that's what I was alluding to because I yeah. think it is then also hard for young girls, and I'm not, I'm not stereotyping it, but let's just say like under 20, that mm-hmm. are taking the pill, protecting themselves against um, unwanted pregnancies and then they are totally neglecting the fact that there is a whole nother world of issues over there mm-hmm. um, that yeah. can go from having casual sex or party sex or whatever we call it and being mm-hmm. a boy mum, I can tell you I will be definitely spreading the no glove, no love message to them when it's their time and yeah. being respectful of their partners. Um, but, yeah, I think it's just nice to also touch on the fact that while contraception is great for that, you also yeah. need for sorry for unwanted pregnancies. You do need to also be mindful of your decisions that you make with any sexual partner in regards yeah. to your general health and well-being. Absolutely, and don't forget you can contract sexually transmitted infections from oral sex as well. So condom on for blowjob, head, whatever you want to call it as well. <laughs> Yes. Okay. I felt like that was a bit, um, I felt like you were my mum then. <laughs> Sorry. No glove, no love. <laughs> exactly. For, for the mouth and below. Um, but moving into that, and I guess it will come when you just said about tests and everything like that, we've got um, the pap smears have had a makeover, I guess we'll call mm-hmm. it, um, in yes. recent years and now are referred to as cervical screening. Um, yes. I have no idea what they've changed or if it's different or if it's a name change. Again, up with the times. But yes. I'm handing the reins over to you to explain a little bit more why the changes have happened and what the changes actually involve. Yeah. So, yes, there has been a change in the testing. And, and it's not just a name change. Um, it's also a change in the actual test that's done. So we call it a CST now or a cervical screening test. Um, the one big thing that's changed is the age that you start getting it done. So now we're recommending um, all women start 
testing or actually all people who have a cervix that's you know mm-hmm. um that can include some trans men who might have a cervix or non-binary people so including all of those people um anyone who has a cervix should get a cervical screening test at the age of 25 if they have ever had sex it doesn't matter if they've had sex with a man or a woman or unfortunately if they've been exposed to childhood sexual abuse anyone who's ever um, had sexual contact should have a cervical screening test um, and what we do now is we test for a virus called human papillomavirus or HPV. Mm-hmm. HPV is a really that's common what you virus. Get the injection for at school. Yes. So now we've got the vaccination, um, Gardasil. That I think they give it in about grade nine, um, mm-hmm. and you can actually see that vaccination as a cancer vaccination. We're preventing people from developing cancer of the cervix. Um, some types of anal cancer and some types of head and neck cancer by having that vaccination. Um, so some parents get a bit worried, oh, we're vaccinating for a sexually transmitted infection, but actually just it's to prevent cancer. Um, and is it, all, is it all cancers or different strains in that area? Yeah, so the Gardasil 9 covers for nine forms of the HPV. Um, some of those forms cause genital warts and some of those forms are the cancer-causing um, forms of HPV. Um, so there's about 100 different types of HPV. Um, some cause regular warts, like warts on your hands and knees that you might have gotten as a kid. Um, some cause genital warts and some cause those changes in the cervix. Um, and when we do the cervical screening test, we're checking for those aggressive ones that can lead to cervical cancer. Um, so when we do get a result, you know, now we're looking at is the result negative so if the result's negative then we just repeat it in five years and we'll be doing that up until women are the age of 74 or between the ages of 70 and 74 we stopped um so it really is a relatively lifelong test um and is the procedure still the same but you're testing yes different stuff yes so from a patient perspective, you won't notice a difference with your doctor okay. taking a diff- taking the test. You still you do need the speculum examination. So that's the device that we use to see your cervix. Um, I know you mentioned the other day the, the old metal speculum, um, <laughs> the metal tongs. Um, you know, we, we often are using like plastic speculums. Um, they're there are a range of sizes. Um, so if you've ever had a painful speculum examination, just let your doctor know and, and they might need to take it a bit slower or choose a different size um, because it really shouldn't be painful. Um, it's a bit uncomfortable, but it really shouldn't be a painful procedure. Um, it's quite quick. Um, it would only be within a minute once you're in the right position um, and we take a sample from your cervix and that sample is what gets tested for the virus. Um, mm-hmm. If they do find the virus um, on your cervix, it doesn't mean you'll definitely get cancer. Um, it just means we need to keep a closer eye on things. So often that will mean more, reg- more regular testing. So it might be come back in a year or it might be that we actually send you off to a gynecologist to have a closer look at your cervix. Um, and they can take a sample if there's any areas that do look abnormal. Um, and what they're looking for really is early changes in the cervix um, that could potentially lead to cancer of the cervix. Um, 
majority of cancers that we see are in people who haven't had regular cervical screening. Um, there are the, the rare cases that, that develop in between screening tests, um, but often it, it is unfortunately people who haven't had those tests for whatever reason. And um, I guess it's great now that because it used to be every two years, is that yes, right? So it's got yes. Yeah, so it used to be every two years, and now it's every five years. Um, and that's because woo-hoo, we know a win for females. celebrate. <laughs> um, that's because we know that it it takes um, probably about ten years from being infected with HPV to developing cancer in the cervix. So we do have that long window to be able to capture. Um, that HPV infection. The majority of people who get HPV, your immune system will just clear it up. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's why we do repeat testing rather than going straight on to treatment. Um, And a lot of the times we'll do the repeat test in a year and and it's all gone. And then we just go back Mm -hmm. to testing every five years. Um, Mm -hmm. But sometimes depending on on what type of HPV, um, we do need the gynecologist to, to get involved. And then I guess another regular test, and I don't know, I've never had one actually, so, um, and I'm not sure what the ages are, um, leading from Johnny's to boobies, um, mm-hmm. we're moving into like mammograms. I don't know if they've had a makeover. I've never had one. I've heard some stories about them, but um, yep. I'm going to let you explain because I don't know anything about them. Yeah. So mammograms, we start like for a routine woman who's low risk, um, we start at the age of 50. So you're not quite there yet. Um, again, we, (laughs) (laughs) again, we go up to the age of 74. Um, and it's every two years. Um, they haven't had a makeover. They're still the same. Um, swish the boob between two plates, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, a bit a bit of an uncomfortable test, but um, really important to pick up early changes in the breast um, that could be cancer or it could be early cancers. Um, for women who have a strong family history of breast cancer, um, we really need to have a chat, depending on your situation. Um, sometimes we start screening earlier um, and sometimes we even refer people to a breast surgeon to be screened at a, at a much higher rate. Um, because, you know, if you're, say, your mum, your sister, your aunt have all had breast cancer, that's very different than if no one in your family has had breast cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, so your doctor can do a calculation and find out how much higher the risk is for you. And then we make individualised recommendations based on that. And, um, yeah, I didn't. I actually didn't realise that it was something in your 50s to early 70s and so on. Um, mm-hmm. In the means of like routine um, healthcare for women, let's mm-hmm. like try, and I'm probably putting you on the spot now, of yeah. like a, a timeline of like let's start at age early as you need your routine healthcare for a female to start mm-hmm. right up until towards you're nearly done. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so um, let's just start at the ripe old age of like 10 or 11. What are we, yeah, what are we yeah. looking for in routine healthcare? So, I mean, really, um, in the younger kids, we, we see kids on a regular basis um, and we're checking like height, weight, growth, all of those things, um, getting them up to date with vaccinations. 
um, making sure that they're developing appropriately. So, you know, are they talking when they should? Are they walking when they should? Um, and if anything's not going to plan, then we like to be able to intervene early. Um, around that age 10, usually they're in school, so anything's been flagged by that age. Um, and when we're thinking like routine health checks, we really wouldn't be starting until we're doing cervical screening at, at the age of 25. Um, mm-hmm. We do usually like to check people's blood pressure, um, you know, particularly, you know, in their early 20s when they come in for something else, usually they might come in for a cough or a cold or a um, prescription. Um, we check the blood pressure just to make sure that that's not elevated because if that's high in a young age, that can be significant. Um, if you're someone who's got conditions that run in the family, then we really need to have a, a bit of a closer look and think about do we need to do any testing earlier on in, in you? Um, then when we think of routine screening, it all really starts around the age of 50 for mammograms and then the poo test to, to check for bowel cancer also starts at the age of 50. Um, and other than that, there's no real routine screening. Um, we should check cholesterol at some stage. Um, again, I usually like to test it in the 30s at some stage um, or earlier if someone's got a family history of heart problems. Um, but, you know, in terms of things that we should check on a yearly basis, there really isn't anything. Um, I think living in Queensland, though, we've really got to be aware of our skin. Um, mm-hmm. So, and and people can do self-checks at home. So keep an eye on your skin, um, check, check all your moles, make sure there's nothing that's changed. If there's anything that's mm-hmm. changed, you seek medical attention. Um, the same thing comes with your breasts. So being aware of your breasts, what do they feel like? Are there any lumps and bumps and are there any changes? And again, that should really be done probably once a month at the same time in your cycle. Um, and then if you're aware of any changes, that's when it's a good idea to go and see your doctor um, and we can look into it a bit further. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's like, it, it's just like as a female and I'm sure men experience it themselves, like sometimes when you hear it or you think about it, you're like, geez, the list is long. Like why? Yes. And, you know, we also get so many fabulous other things. But um, one of the questions that um, I did get in the in the inbox when I put out that you were coming on, that there was some more information, which is also probably going to follow up from um, the, 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 the later episode or the earlier episode, sorry, um, about pelvic floor. And um, yep. I feel like with babies and just women in general that it can be something that can be really just accepted like a heavy period or um, mm-hmm. cramping or anything like that. This is life. It's all part of the process. I've pushed out three babies or I've, you know, done this and that's just what it is. Um, what mm-hmm. are the um, not medical risks but if you are experiencing what you think is a pelvic floor issue and not doing anything about it in your 30s, thinking mm. that you're fine and then there's this progression or I don't know if there's a progression, it's a question mm-hmm. to do to you mm-hmm. of like how an early age pelvic floor problem can be heightened throughout the rest of your life, I guess, if you choose to ignore it. Yeah. So, um, look, most problems with the pelvic floor um, – 
really are problems that affect your quality of life. So, you know, losing a bit of urine when you cough, sneeze or laugh, like urinary incontinence. Um, some women will have problems with their bowels and keeping control of their bowels with problems with the pelvic floor. Um, and also problems like pelvic organ prolapse or, you know, feeling a bulge or a dragging sensation down in the vagina. Um, mm-hmm. We know that these problems often get worse with pregnancy, um, with vaginal delivery, but pregnancy itself can cause damage to the pelvic floor. Um, and particularly with having big babies or have requiring assistance for delivery so things like um, a forceps delivery um, can all do damage to that layer of the muscles in the pelvic floor. Um, In terms of what we can do about it so I suppose the first thing to know is incontinence so losing control of your urine or your bowel isn't normal it doesn't come with the territory of having babies and there are things we can do about it so go and have a chat to your local doctor um, you know, write yourself a list of your symptoms or when these sort of things might happen. Um, and we can try to get to the bottom of exactly what's going on. Um, mm-hmm. If it is a problem with the pelvic floor, often the first thing we recommend is pelvic floor exercises. So, and that is best guided by a physiotherapist that does have a special interest in women's health. Um, and I would be expecting them to do an internal examination. Um, examine how strong your pelvic floor is um, and teach you how to do those pelvic floor exercises because I know we've all tried them, we've all probably done them, but um, how do you know if you're doing it I still it right? don't know. I'm, um, yeah. I'm so glad you <laughs> said that because I'm like, am I squeezing my bum hole or my front? Like I have absolutely no idea. I'm just trying to tense every muscle <laughs> that's down there that I'm aware of um and yep. yeah it is really hard to know yep. if you're doing the right especially if you feel like you don't have any strength yeah you're like and well, it's am like I doing it <laughs> like, do I get a it's gold like, star? <laughs> it's like any muscle though um you know you do have to do the exercises regularly to strengthen it um mm-hmm. There are, however, some conditions that you really don't want to be strengthening your pelvic floor. So um, if you've got an overactive pelvic floor or, or pain with sex, um, mm-hmm. sometimes those problems can get worse if you do too many pelvic floor exercises. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a matter of getting the advice first um, and then once you're advised and taught how to do the exercises properly, um, mm-hmm. that then you keep doing it. So my little tip that I give to women is, when you're driving, anytime you stop at a red light or a stop sign, you do your pelvic floor exercises. Um, and what, that gets what, you... what is what is a pelvic floor exercise? If you were giving an example to someone, they're like, okay, I'm at the traffic lights, it's red. What do what I do? I um, so, I mean, the exam- it's, a, it's a bit difficult to explain. It's easy to explain while you're examining someone because okay. then they can try yeah. it and you can tell them, yes, that's what I mean. Um, but if you think of you're doing a wee and then you want to stop the stream mm-hmm. and you're sort of pulling those muscles up so it feels like a light feeling, um, mm-hmm. that's the muscles that you're trying to activate. Okay. Now, I wouldn't recommend doing it while you are doing a wee except if you just want to try because you want that urine flow to come out. You don't want to be stopping mm-hmm. and starting when, you, when you're doing a wee. Um, but that, tip, that feeling, that, yeah, you'll get a urine infection. <laughs> we don't want that. Um, so but that's just to give you the idea of that feeling um, and then you'll know what you have to practice at home. 
um, uh, pelvic floor exercises can't solve every problem. Um, but we know even when women need surgery for, for some of these pelvic floor problems, um, if they've been doing, doing these exercises for a few months in the lead up to surgery, they do end up with much better outcomes, um, afterwards. So, um, that's a really good idea, particularly, um, if you've had big babies or, lots of babies, lots of pregnancies, um, then, yeah, getting getting onto the pelvic floor exercises is a good idea. Amazing. And that basically is our final topic for today. I cannot – I honestly just wish everyone could see our faces because we were both so – well, I'm, I'm not sure if Jazz was so nervous, but we both had some nerves <laughs> leading up to this. It's the first podcast, Jazz – has been on and look I knew you were smart Jazzy but (laughs) even you've blown me away with like your consistent knowledge and your ability to share and your patients are very very lucky to have you and I know that you 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 have been merging into the online space with your new Instagram page and if anyone liked what they heard today where can they find you? Um, so I'm on Instagram um, at Dr. Jasmine Davis um, and we'll put our link in the show notes, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> You're so and, used to me saying that. <laughs> I am. I'm a, I'm a long-time listener. Um, I've also got a website um, that's uh, a bit more factual and a bit less fun than the Instagram, um, which is drjasmine.com.au. Um, um, I didn't and, even know that. Gotta go check yeah, you out well, on your web page. Well, so it's a work so, in progress. Um, yeah. So yes, trying to get a bit more active on on the old Instagram. Mm-hmm. No, and doing a fab job, and all um, very inclusive of all um, all the humans in the world, and sharing mm-hmm. a wealth of knowledge. But it wouldn't be a usual flawed and fab episode without our final five. And I'm so super yes, excited, so excited. To do this, especially <laughs> especially to do this with my friend because I like still love the su- surprises of the answers. But um, I really respect Jazz and. Um, she's always been a very, very special part of my life. So sharing this podcast Good. with her today and letting her shine in her field of amazingness has been so, so good. So let's kick off our final five. What is your quote to live by? Um, so I'm probably going to butcher it, but we all do with these quotes. Um, <laughs> of course. So <laughs> people um, may remember just let me think. I know I'm butchering it. it. Okay. <laughs> People don't remember <laughs> what you say. They don't remember what they do, but they'll always remember how you made them feel. Yeah. And I freaking love that quote so, so much. <laughs> and you didn't butcher it. You got there in the end. I <laughs> <laughs> got there. I got there. <laughs> what is the best advice you have ever received? Um, so this one's about relationships. Um, and I've got to cheat on this one so I don't butcher this one. Um, <laughs> oh, yes. So it's the Gottmans. Um, they say, in relationships, never stop being curious about your partner. Oh, I like that. Don't think yeah. you know it all. Stay no, curious. no. Always <laughs> ask you questions about your partner no matter how long you've been together. So good. And your core value? Um, kindness and compassion. 
that just suits you to a T, my beautiful friend. <laughs> um, if you had one last meal, what would it be? Um, it would have to be that mushroom gnocchi at Social Eating House that I get made specially for me every time I go. I don't even think it's on the menu, but Matt makes me a special little vegetarian dish. And shout out to our beautiful besties, Matt and Dana from Social Eating House, where the food is delicious. It is in the Oracle at Broadbeach on the Gold Coast. If you are local, visit. And if you are not and you travel to the Gold Coast, you must go there. And yeah. I'm very interested to see what you're going to say, Dr. Jasmine, <laughs> for what is your fave beverageino? It has to be a pina colada, um, but, Ooh. of course, in, mod- in moderation. <laughs> <laughs> Safe consumption. I wouldn't expect Safe anything consumption. different from you, Dow. <laughs> <laughs> no, we love pina coladas. Our holiday, yeah. our holiday by the holiday pool drink by choice. Yeah. Holiday vibes. You can't. Who can turn away a pina colada? But that concludes everything. Jazz, is there anything that you have a burning itch to say, or you feel like you've said it all? Because this is your last chance to get a message through to the listeners before we sign off. Oh, I just want to say thanks so much for having me on here. Long time listener and just love what you're doing here so thanks for having me to to spread the word um and i hope everyone has a gp and goes and sees them about any issues they have i'm sure after this conversation they will people's mental mental list will be going okay i need to do this 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 but you have been so beautiful a wealth of knowledge and i hope that all doctors are having as much kindness and compassion as you with their patients when they're coming in and that is a final reminder. If you love what you heard today, check out Jazzy on in, or Dr. Jasmine <laughs> on Instagram. <laughs> Dr. <and her>. Jazzy. <laughs> Dr. Jazzy. She's my Jazzy. And I will put all um, the website and the Instagram handle in the show notes. Thank you, beautiful girl. You have been amazing. Yeah. And people oh, have going you. to get so much out of today's episode. So much love to you. Thanks so much for having me. This podcast is a part of the Spin Studio Network. To stay up to date with me, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. Leave me a review and follow me on Instagram at with Love Ash. <laughs>